After Israel received the bad report from the ten spies and despised the good report of the two, they decided to go their own way and try their own thing. God was not with them anymore because they ventured off unto their own ideas. And in that place, the father actually disqualified that entire generation from the promised land that he promised them in the beginning. If we do not trust the father in all that we that he, he he's promised, but we try and go our own way, we will find ourselves can find ourselves under the same disqualification. You see, the father disqualified an entire generation. And that tells us that it is possible for God, even today, to disqualify a generation of a generational calling. We as individuals receive individual callings that God has placed on our lives. But as a generation, a generation also receives a bigger picture calling that God has called them to in a certain age and point in time. The generational calling that Israel received when they were heading towards the promised land was to receive, obey and obey the commandments of God and to follow God through the wilderness season. Today, our, in the, the post-Messiah period, our generational calling is different. And each generation, God provides different callings to in, in, in accordance to His objectives and mission of the, the age. And so in this video, I'd like to take you through what I believe are the four callings that God has placed on this generation to represent Him with. But before I do that, I'd like to read us just a few verses in relation to Israel's disqualification when they failed the generational calling that God placed on their lives to enter the promised land and trust Him with that. Deuteronomy 1 verse 35, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give to your fathers. Deuteronomy 2 verse 14, And the time we took to come from Kurdish Barnea until we passed over the Wadi Zerid was 38 years, until all the generation of the men of battle was consumed from the midst of the camp, as Yahweh had sworn to them. You see, in this story, the father actually allowed an entire generation to pass away completely before he continued with the next generation unto the calling that he gave the first. You see, father is not, he is not afraid to disqualify people from a calling if they are not willing to trust him. He called them an evil generation because they had unbelief. In that God can fulfill the promises of the calling that he promised in the beginning. And so God calls us to not only believe in the promises that he has given us unto the second coming of Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as well as the promise of the Holy Spirit, where he will equip us to manifest the walk of Yeshua unto the world today. He has also promised us that he will fight for us. He will not neglect us. And all the promises of, of the Torah unto the New Testament, we still carry with us today. And we have an incredible responsibility to not only remember and be obedient to them, but to, but, but to, but to believe them and trust God that he can deliver on them. And so the four callings that I believe God has called this generation to, 
are the following. Number one, God has called us to get rid of the lies that we have inherited. Over the past 2000 years, there's been a multitude of lies that has developed and crept into what we call church and Christianity today that God is calling this present generation out of. Many traditions that we have are good, but many are very evil. Many traditions are not from God and calls us to worship God in a way that he has not instructed. Some of these traditions include the celebration of pagan feast days that have no root in the Bible. God calls us to worship him in the, according to the feast days that he have laid out in his own scripture and his word. The same feast days that Yeshua, Jesus and his disciples disciples um, celebrated and used to worship their father. God calls us to 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 all these things, to keeping his commandments in the way that is in, in, in accordance to how the first disciples did it. To seek and test everything and make sure that it lines up with the word. We can no longer take blanket statements made by churches and denominations on how we should worship God and just believe that and adopt it without questioning them. There is no more time for that. The father is separating the, the, the wheat from the tares and he's looking for those people who is a bride that is interested in understanding the father's heart instead of simply going for what others have said about him. If you are married, you will seek the heart of your spouse, understand what they want, how we want to, how we can serve them best. We are not going to go to other people and ask them how we can best serve the spouse. We will number one under we, we can read books and we can do all these things to learn how to be a better husband or a better wife, which is can all be good. But until we go to them to really ask them, you know what, is this really how I can serve you better? Until then, we, will not, we can totally miss the point. And so Father calls his bride to come to him in a similar manner of asking and inquiring of him on a personal level of how we are to worship him. And to, to ask him to show us all the lies that we have inherited that, that, that is not of him and that, is, that, that takes us further from him instead of closer. The second calling of this generation is that the Father is now calling us to restore the truth that has been stolen. So it's not only about identifying the lies that we've inherited, but but then also restoring back the truth. God is busy around the world with an incredible work of his spirit, where he is bringing about a revival in both the spirit and in the truth. A revival in the spirit where we seeing powerful works of the spirit again, where just just like we saw with the first disciples in the book of Acts. We are seeing that reformation of the church in the way where we can demonstrate the work and the power of the Messiah through the works of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts, as in the casting out of demons, the speaking of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the, the, the healing of the sick, etc. And so a father calls us then to do walk in those things to testify of the truth that is within us. And this truth is also in being restored around the world. This truth of following his commandments, tossing aside traditions of men that we do not need to obey, just like the traditions of men that Yeshua faced in the day when he rebuked the Pharisees for it. We have many traditions of the churches today which have no root in Messiah, no, uh, we have no obligation to follow them in, in many cases 
choices they actually take away from the commandments of God, such as the changing of the Roman Catholic Church of the Sabbath from 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 the seventh day to the first day where they have now made it Sunday as one example. So that is a tradition that totally nullifies the actual commandment of God to rest on the seventh day as he instituted. And similarly, there are many such traditions that they have that, that, that we have inherited, which God calls us to step away from, but they're not only to step away from, but then to restore the truth of the matter, understanding God's original intent and heart and love to, and, and to, to walk more as Messiah in that manner. And with this restoration of the spirit and the truth, he then calls us to make disciples with that. There is absolutely no use in understanding and coming to revelation of the spirit and truth and, and doing all these things in your life, but they're not making disciples. The reason that God shows us and reveals these things to us is so that we can make disciples so that we can walk in the fruit and let the other people see the fruit and let us testify of that fruit in patience, love, gentleness, kindness, not smacking them with a Bible over the head, but with loving them into a repentance. It is the kindness of God that draws people to repentance, that drew you to repentance. And God calls us to show the same grace and mercy and patience that he has shown towards us to, to, to show to others. Oftentimes when we come to some kind of revelation, understanding of him, or we, we, we oftentimes don't, we want to just let everyone get on board from day one. And we don't have the patience that he showed us initially. And if you judge your brother with that measuring stick, he will judge you with the same. And that is a dangerous place to be where because of our pride, we go and we believe we're better than someone else and they need to conform to what we believe is right from day one. And even if we're right, it's about how we approach and the patience and the love we show that will declare us right before God, not in what we know or, or any of that. It, he can show us amazing things, but how we communicate that to others, how we walk it up, how we love others is what is going to justify us before him. And that we are justified by faith in Messiah, belief in what he did for us, and then we will come and because of that justification by faith, he will then after that look at our obedience, judge our hearts in accordance to that. As James said, faith without works is dead. And the works that he calls us to is to love. And if we love, we fulfill the Torah, the commandments of God, which all points to love and we should all be kept in love. You can keep as many commandments as you want. But if you do not have love, the keeping of those commandments means nothing at all. And you do not really love God for only those who keep the commandments loves father and those who loves his neighbor demonstrates his love for his father. And so the making of disciples requires us to be baptizing on a constant basis, um, discipling people, um, going to preach the gospel, etc. We cannot afford to simply keep revelations for ourselves, sit in a little home and never share it for the world, because that's why he revealed it to us in the first place. So we can go out into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. For that is the great commission.
The third calling on this generation is that God has placed a, an incredible responsibility on this generation to start doing the things that they say they believe instead of simply debating and arguing it. And in the light of Facebook, social media and everyone's precious images today, we have started becoming a culture. We want to debate more than we do. And this is not new to our culture. It is a Greek mindset that we have inherited from our forefathers, where we like to mentally have a mental ascension of, of thoughts and, and intellectuality. And, and we want to discuss these things and we want to debate these things on Facebook and, and, and all these things, which can all be good, but it, not at the cost of doing them. So many people debate and talk of things they have never done. And in that immediate manner, they have disqualified themselves from teaching because we have no, there is no place for us to try and teach things that we have never walked out ourselves. The, 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 the Hebrew mindset and in opposition to the Greek mindset is that the Hebrew mindset is about doing. It's about not, not thinking about things just, but actually doing things reading something, doing it, and then learning about what you read thereafter, not reading, learning and never doing or maybe doing one day. It's rather reading, doing and then learning and then coming back and saying, oh, this is what it really meant. You see, many try and teach about the spiritual gifts of God or any spiritual matter without having never been and while they've never even done or accomplished a spiritual gift in their life because they have not been baptized in the spirit or they've not sought the spirit in their life. And then they try and teach on the spiritual matters. As an example, God is God is done with that. He calls a generation that will do the things that they say they believe and then teach from that perspective and that point, because if we don't do, but we teach, we will teach lies and the confusion and deceit. Seat. God calls us to do for once. And the last calling that God has placed on this generation is to prepare the way for the coming king, to be a voice in the wilderness. In other words, it's we just like John the Baptist came to proclaim the first coming of the King Yeshua. We have been commissioned to proclaim his second coming to be like a like John the Baptist was a voice in the wilderness when he was he went into the wilderness to seek the father. And, and then he came out and similarly to Yeshua to then proclaim the gospel in the power of the spirit. God calls us to then go into the wilderness season, go and build our characters, go and and, and, and grow and mature in him, hear his voice and then go out into the world and proclaim be a voice to the world, like a voice in the wilderness. Like a, you see, brothers and sisters, the voice that comes from a wilderness and the voice that comes from the world is two different things. The voice that has been set apart, the voice that have sought the name of God, the voice that have sought his love, that voice will sound different from the voice of someone who has only been in a church in the world and has never went to separate themselves to seek as a prophet seeks the father. God calls us into prophetic roles to go and proclaim the, the good news, the change, the reformation, because the, the fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters, 
We need a reformation. We need a change. The system that we have today in what we call church is broken. We have declining church rates. We have people leaving church left and right. And it's not because Yeshua isn't good enough. It's because the way we have been portraying him and trying to sell him in a consumer culture, a consumer church culture is not the Yeshua of the Bible. You see, when Yeshua came, he did not come to try and market himself to everyone so that everyone can just accept him and come into a church that compromises. Yeshua questioned people on whether they are sure they want to follow him. They said, are you, he said, are you sure because I sleep on the street? Are you sure because you need to die? Are you sure because you need to sell everything you have? And if you don't sell everything you have, don't even bother trying to follow me because you're not worthy of being my disciple. So Yeshua calls us into that place of, 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 of saying, you know, stop trying to beg people into following him and compromising along the way. Our churches have become like that because they've become money making machines in many cases, trying to pay off a big building instead, because we're trying to market Yeshua. And we've got a good intentions. We're trying to make sometimes we try to just market Yeshua because we want everyone to have him. But the fact of the matter is there's no use in having letting everyone have of Yeshua, but none of them being saved because it's only with a heart of true repentance, a true disciple who died to themselves. That's the only people who will be found on the narrow path. Brothers and sisters, we have many people in our churches who are not saved because they are not living a lifestyle of repentance. They go to church on Sunday and sin on Monday. And God has called us to be proclaimers of righteousness and repentance, just like John the Baptist, when he came out of the wilderness to a church that is broken, to a church system that does not work. To proclaim the narrow way that is hard to stay on. Instead of promoting a wide way that everyone can come on, but no one is saved on. God is not on the wide way. Yeshua has never been on the wide way. He's always been on the narrow way and he always made it hard to follow him. Because he was like a lukewarm filter. We need to filter the lukewarm out instead of allowing them place in church. We must be so hard on our preaching when it comes to repentance, when it comes to living a holy lifestyle, that anyone who's in the church, who's an atheist, who's an unbeliever, who lives a sinful lifestyle will be so convicted that they must leave or repent. There, there, is a, there is a problem where we have come to a place where the way we preach is so lukewarm and passive and, and shallow that there, there is an ability for an atheist to keep have a part in the church. That, the, the fact that there is atheists today, and this is a common occurrence today, where atheists can sit in a church for the sake of community and feel comfortable. God, that is because of a lukewarm pastor who does not preach a message of repentance that will convict the, the, convict the sinner and everyone else unto the narrow way. And God is done with those churches. He is done with those people because those people are not his. His people are those on the narrow way, preaching the narrow way, walking the narrow way and walking as Yeshua walked and nothing else. No, may 
right? No, no more excuses, no more this or that, no more, oh, Yeshua was this, he was that. I'm not going to walk as him because I don't need to anymore. He did it so I don't, I don't have to. That's not going to fly at the throne of God. And saying it's, oh, my pastor said I can do this is not going to fly either. God calls us to be the John of today, the John the Baptist's of proclaiming the narrow way so we can prepare the way for our King. If this video blessed you, consider becoming a subscriber and hitting the bell button so you can be notified of, of, of any notifications and new videos that are released. And like this video so more people can see it. If this teaching has blessed you, consider becoming a patron of this YouTube channel so that I can continue making these videos more and more as I transition to full-time ministry. May God bless you and keep you, shine His face upon you and give you shalom.